You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. I'm going to go ahead and start in prayer uh, as people get on. An, an extended prayer for our sons, for our families, for our uncles, cousins, brothers, nephews. So let's bow our heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity to come before you one more time, praying that this meeting would be all of you and none of us. We pray for our guest speaker today, Ms. Talise Jackson. Father God, I pray that you would give her a rhema word, a word of revelation to help each and every mother that is on this platform on today. Father God, we just thank you so much for giving Talise the uh, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that she needs to pour into the mothers that are here on tonight. And we just thank you that each and every mother found it worthy to be in attendance to hear from you. Father God, we just thank you for what you're going to do on tonight because the enemy cannot have our sons. He cannot have our fathers. He cannot have our brothers, uncles, cousins, any that deal with the male species. So Father God, we just thank you right now for what you are doing on the earth through Dr. Leslie Inspires as mothers come with the desire to change the trajectory of the lives of their sons. Father God, we just thank you for the heart and the mind and the will to want change and to know and understand that change starts with us. Father God, we just thank you, oh God. We just thank you for this day because we understand it is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be made glad in it. Father God, we just continue to pray for wisdom. We just continue to pray for the peace that surpasses all understanding as we keep our minds stayed on you, because we know that it is all about you. You said in your word, if we would speak to the mountain and the mountain is any problem, any challenge that we may have, if we speak to the mountain, it shall be moved. And Father God, as long as we speak to it and knowing and trusting and believing in our heart and speaking with our mouth, it shall be done. You said that we have not because we ask not. So Lord, we're asking for your divine protection, oh God. And in the event that uh, sons don't know and understand that they are being used by the enemy, Father God, give each and every mother the wisdom to know when to take her hands off. Father God, that's the point where you have to take over because sometimes we over-nurture and the goal is to stop over nurturing so that they can hear from you, so that they can hear that they need to grow up and be the man that you have called them to be. But that cannot be if we continue to over nurture and step in and do things for them. As Wayne said on yesterday, the growth process 
is in the struggle. And so we must allow them to struggle and grow and be men because that is how you equip them. So we thank you, oh God, and we repent for taking on that role because of what we saw. But Father God, we thank you for change on today. And so Father God, I will end this prayer right now and give the mantle to Talise. And I just thank you for each and every person on the call. We clear the airwaves right now in the name of Jesus. We clear the airwaves of any satanic or demonic forces that may come to try to hinder any woman from hearing and Talise from speaking. So we just thank you, oh God, for what you're doing. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So we have Miss Talise with us today. We had Mr. Wayne on yesterday, and then we had uh, me on Sunday. And remember, if you uh, used a username and password, that you can go into that portal and see any of the videos if you have missed them. If you have a username and password, which if you registered for this. Uh, then you can go in and view those videos from the past week and all week. So without further ado, Ms. Talise, we thank you so much for joining us. And this is being recorded. So the platform is yours. Uh, thank you. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming and listening, sharing, and um, being able to um, just it shares my own personal experiences with people in hopes that um, somebody can be, you know, edified, helped, encouraged, um, motivated. Um, I'm not ashamed of my life, the uh, ups and the downs that we all have them. So I'm not ashamed of that, of my experiences. Um, is there anywhere you want to start in particular, Dr. Leslie, or? You want me to start? My text. Yeah, just start from. Yes, I did. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Um, um, well, my sons, um, I've said in previous uh, platforms, my sons are, um, my oldest is 30, then 25, and the youngest son is 23, and then I have a 13-year-old daughter. Um, so I raised, I raised my sons pretty much by myself without my daughter, you know, she came along when the youngest was 10. Um, what I've learned, um, and, I, and I, wrote, I wrote a book, um, and I'm waiting to get it published, but one of the things that I learned in, in writing my book called The Boyfriend Experience is I had to re re reflect on myself as um, a parent, as a sister, as a daughter. And um, when I look back, my sons didn't grow up the way that I grew up. So I was, I was raised in a two-parent household. Um, uh, I, my needs were always met, um, whether they were um, mostly my, uh, the provisional needs, like um, I always had a roof over my head. I always was well-clothed and well-fed that a part of me that wasn't uh, completely taken care of was the nurtured. I was, my emotional needs weren't met. And it took me into my forties to really realize that. And the lack of that emotional nurturing, that, that emotional need not being met 
impacted how I raised my son, some of the decisions that I made concerning my son, some of the, um, the things that they lacked as a result of what I myself didn't have. And that's one of the things that um, I really try to, when I do talk to parents, just in an informal platform, one of the things I encourage them to do is really look at yourself and see what it is you're missing. Because a lot of times what you lack, you have a hard time giving that to your, your sons. Um, especially if you were a person like myself, um, always, I was always seeking, I was always seeking some form of a nurture. But like I said, going through the process, I didn't know it. Having my children, I didn't, I didn't always know that. Um, so if I start with my oldest son, um, Corey, uh, he probably, he probably received the less, the least amount of nurture from, from me because um, I didn't, I just, as much as I loved him, it was hard. It was hard for me to hug him. Um, I didn't, and then if he just touched me, if he could just touch me on my shoulder or on my arm, that made me cringe. And part of that was part of my upbringing, just um, having been touched inappropriately by different people in my family. And it caused me to, to just kind of reject or resist his innocent little boy mommy touch, you know. Um, and and one day he said to me, and and this was his re, this was his observation and apparently his reflection from his watching uh, his friends and his 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 buddies and their parents and how they hugged and kissed and always told each other they loved them. You know, he was like, you never hugged us when we grew up. You never just said like I see my friends and I couldn't make up that time. I couldn't make up all of that that he missed, but it was, it impacted him. Um, and though I couldn't make it up, I did try to start right then and there. Um, number one, acknowledging and admitting, not excusing myself. Um, there are no excuses to a kid about why you did or didn't do something. They, they don't, receive excuses and I didn't really have an excuse because there wasn't one it there was that I should have regardless um and so as a mother that that's how that was my response but I've seen mothers do the opposite they try to make up for what um what they didn't have and they overextend themselves to their to their sons and then there's no balance there there's no balance and then um the sons, they 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 miss something, um, and so if I, I I can say that though, even though I didn't nurture them the way that I wish I would have at that time, with each son I got a little bit better. I had to mature. When I realized, I'm like, okay, I have to fight through the things that's causing me to resist the 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 innocent touches on the shoulder or the arm. I have to fight through. The, the uh, thing that causes me to not want to give a hug as naturally as we expect mothers to be with our children, with our sons. Um, so each child, I got a little bit better with, with the nurturing, but I did have to um, reflect on how that impacted the way that I chose to raise my son or unconsciously chose to raise him. Um, 
our childhood. We need to look at how our parents raised us and what decisions we made as a result of that. You know, um, I can say another thing from my childhood. I remember, and I'm sure all of you recall your parents saying, um, do as I say, not as I do, or don't talk back. I didn't, I didn't raise my sons with that mentality or with, or with that platform. Because I remember many a times of wanting to express myself and not being able to because it was talking back, getting in trouble for something that I didn't do because I couldn't say I didn't do it, that would be talking back. So that was something that was very impactful to me. And that's something that you guys can really, any, any mother, think about, if you think about your childhood and how you were raised, there are some things that were more, that had more impact on you than other things. So again, I didn't think about growing up, I didn't think about I wasn't getting the nurture. I didn't think about um, I wasn't getting the I love you's and the hugs and the kisses. But I did think about I can't express my thoughts. I can't express my feelings. I can't defend myself. I can't say it wasn't me. I didn't do it. So I governed the way that I raised my sons according to the thing that was most conscious and what I believed, what I believed was the most impactful thing to me. And that was, I didn't get to express myself. So I let my sons express themselves within, within reason. It wasn't, they could just say whatever they wanted. There was a tone, there was a time, there was a way in which it could be said. So I, I just wanna take a moment right here to just really hone in on that. What I, when I reflected growing up on the way my parents raised me, I never took the moment to say, hmm, they don't never say I love you. They don't never give me hugs. You know, I believed and knew that they loved me, but I just never heard it. I didn't focus on that. What I focused on the thing that I thought impacted me the most, which was I can't, I can't say what I want. And Sometimes we do that. We, we, we determine how we're going to raise our sons based on the things that we think is most impactful. And we don't realize there are so many other things um, from our upbringing that has impacted the way, the decisions and the choices that we make when it comes to raising our sons. And, and unfortunately for me, I learned later in life that the, wow, I didn't, I didn't get the I love you's. And as a result, I didn't do that. I didn't say it to my own son. So, you know, I don't know how old your sons are, um, but reflect on not just the things that you remember that directly impact you, but there are some things, some ways that your parents have brought you up that, that have impacted you as well. And it has influenced the way you chose to raise or choose to raise your sons. So that I, I do, I speak about, I think in depth in, in one of the primary chapters or earlier chapters in, in my book. Um, um, and it has helped me to have a better relationship with my sons today as young adult men. Um, I can talk, if I say, now I have three sons and they have two different fathers. My two younger sons have a father and then my oldest son, um, his father. And 
today I am with my older son's father. We are currently engaged and that's a whole nother story about how that happened. But um, I, I notice you can, you can pay attention to um, how even your son's father, how their parents um, raised them. Um, he and I, he wasn't always around for Corey as Corey was growing up. I think he was there for maybe part of the first two years intermittently. And then from age two to 11, he wasn't present. Um, whether it was my my immaturity, it was both of ours. You know, um, I made it. He was he like he had a lot of women, and I in my mind, you know what? I don't want my son to be like that, so I didn't want him to witness that. So at 23, I'm saying, you know what? I'll raise my son um, to be the man that I I think that he should be that his father wasn't displaying. So we, you know, there was some conflict there. Um, and I don't know that that wasn't the wisest thing. That wasn't the wisest decision that I made. Um, and I matured from that as well. So when I had the next two sons, I made sure that they at least stayed in contact with their father, that they communicated with him. And I tried to do that along the way later on with Corey, but Corey was very resistant even to this day to that relationship. So at 30 years old, He's still resistant. 30, let me say that again. Even at 30 years old and his mother and father are together, he's still resistant to that relationship with his father. He, um, growing up, it just seemed like he struggled with the male-to-male relationship, like really bonding. I know that he's aware of different um, men from church and things that I've placed um in his life or that I've allowed him to be surrounded by, but to, to have that male relationship, he, um, I, he, he struggles with that. And he doesn't really, he's not looking, he doesn't look forward to trying to have a relationship with um, his father, even though he and I are together. Um, we, we, his father and I struggle with how Corey's a grown man, so there's no raising him. But his father, I notice in him, his own uh, insecurities and his own challenges that uh, impacts the way he interacts with all of his sons. He has four four sons, and um, it, or three sons, and it impacts just just the way that he was raised impacts how he interacts with his boys and the fact that he lacked so much nurturing growing up. And it's not that he doesn't try to nurture them. He'll, he does give them hugs. He will tell them he loves them, but you see him fight for this position of authority and being a man. And that's like, when you're talking about, when you're talking to adult sons, they don't want that anymore. They'll come to you when they're ready for that fatherly advice, but they're no longer in that, in that space. But he, you see him trying to get that, but it's past due now, you know? Um, and that, that impacts, believe it or not, that impacts even my relationship with um, my son. Um, 
And it's funny because the last conversation that I had with Dr. Leslie, she was like, don't try to force it. Don't try to force that relationship. And I had to really reflect on that because you know what? I was trying to make it happen. I was trying to, and to my son, all it sounded like was excuses. I'm excusing his dad for this, that, or the other. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I just want you to learn how to have this relationship. I think this relationship is important. It doesn't have to necessarily be father, son, but I need you to learn how to break past the barriers that you find yourself operating from, you know, but I, I, I um, consult Dr. Leslie said, and I was like, okay, let me start to try to back off from forcing something. It'll happen organically, or maybe it'll happen in, in a due time, or maybe it won't, I don't know. But I do know that um, a, lot, a lot of the things that I see in his father, I see in him. A lot of things that I see in his father, I see in me. And that's a hard thing to observe when sometimes you don't like what you see or with when what you see, you don't view or deem as positive. So um, the, the greater part of that for me is though, the things that I see in him that I also see in me are things that I've, I had purposed myself to work on because all of those things have impacted the way that I interacted with my sons. The self-esteem, the, um, the some insecurities. I see those things in my son. I've seen them in me. I've worked on a lot of those and I've had people around me to help build me up. Um, and which is another thing that I talked about in my book um, just having those, having the right of, amount of people and group of people around you to help build you up, to make you a better person, to be a better mother, to be able to identify those things in yourself so that you can also be encouraging to someone else who can probably identify with you as a mother. Um, I don't know any, any questions along the way. You're, you're um, you know, free to to ask them, there are a couple of points that um, that Leslie wanted me to speak about, and those were part of two of them. And um, you know, Dr. Leslie, is there anything specific from those things that I did speak about that you want me to hone in on a little bit more? I'll be more than happy to do well, that. You mind if I ask a question? Sure. So that part about the, the whole man thing and standing up and trying to have that masculine disposition. How did that make you feel? Did you feel like um, that behavior shouldn't have taken place or you should insert yourself and, and guide that a little bit more? Or did you feel like that was normal? I just wanted to kind of want you to expand on that a little bit more to get your thoughts on it. And the reason why I ask is not for you so much, but sometimes mothers will feel like they have to jump in and make changes and correct instead of naturally letting some of that take place. So if you could expand mm -hmm. on that. Yeah, I think um, two things. I, yeah, I jump in and I feel like I have to correct. Um, um, I also, that educator in me comes out and I feel like I have to teach. And um, they both, I think, are kind of resistant to that approach. 
you know, so I had to kind of back off and humble myself. And that's, that's hard because that is my natural inclination. So that's something that I have to work on, um, especially when it comes to a man. And with, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's tough. It really is. And I, is. I can really relate. And you, you are, it's a very common reaction that you have, but it's very difficult uh, for men and women to, to, um, to kind of step back once they get a certain age and let them uh, grow or go through some of those pains, as you mentioned, let them express themselves. But when you see them going wrong, you want to step in and give that instruction and guidance. And, you know, I've had people tell me, get out of instruction mode. And sometimes Dr. Leslie and I talk about that a lot. Oh, got to get out of instruction mode, let them learn on their own. So that's really very common. So don't beat yourself up about it too much. Yeah. And my son, he, the oldest one, actually all three of them, have said, you know, mainly the oldest and the youngest, let me do it. Let me do it on my own. Let me figure it out. So they weren't the type of sons who just gravitated and received everything that I, they wanted. If, if they didn't have it, they just dealt with not having it. They didn't want me to always step in. They wanted, they did want to figure out. And so I, I appreciated that about them. And and I had to learn to start to back away from Um, being the safety net all the time because as a result as a result of that the oldest one the decision making it's tough for the decision making if we are too much of a safety net they have a hard time making decisions because and they're not and they they also are not they have more self-esteem issues because they lack confidence we have to them to make decisions and we can start that very early on in very simple ways you know what you want them to wear as young boys right you know young. Right. so what you do is you lay out two outfits that you want them to wear and let them choose which one they want to wear out of the two that you like mm. so you start to get an idea of making decisions and then you start doing that in different ways but oftentimes as a mother i found myself being very controlling trying to control the situation you know, and it gets harder because we have these African-American boys and we right. see what it is out there and we want to protect them. Right. You, you give them, all you can do now is give them what it is they need to know and then let them make the decision. And that's, that's so yeah. even at age 30, when he's 30 years old, that's so hard. It, it is. It is. It is. Especially when you see something and you know they're heading in the wrong direction, you can instruct, but then you just got to let them hit it. And that can be one of the toughest things. And a lot of times we don't want our kids to go to jail or anything like that, but they just have to go through. And it doesn't take a lot of lessons. Oftentimes it's just one, maybe two. And then, but it has to happen at certain points of their lives. See when they're younger and they have some of those lessons, some kids can be hard headed. So they keep going through that over and over and over again. But as they get older, not so much if they're trying to really learn as well. Yeah, which which kind of uh, brings me to my youngest son. Now he I he's twenty three. Um, from the time the little boy started school, he, he got he got suspended for something in kindergarten. He got suspended for touching a girl's belly button. I had to go to the school and fight for him. Hey. He's in kindergarten. That's a teachable moment. They wanted to try to make it like a sexual harassment type of thing. I'm like, he's five, you know, so already they're trying to make him something that I was not allowing them to make. 
then in first grade, he's walking to school and he sees this little uh, thing. That's, he registers, it resonates as a toy to him. It was really a lighter shaped like a gun. I don't smoke, nobody in my household smoked. So there was no familiarity in my mind from our environment that of a lighter, but they wanted to uh, suspend him and um, peg him as bringing a weapon to school. So again, I had to fight, this is early on. And then just as time went on, he just started getting suspended for, for, for things that, because he didn't know how to um, express, he didn't know how to express whatever it was he was going through. And I didn't know that he was going through what he was going through at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and I thought I was in tune. I thought yeah. I was in tune with myself, but I didn't know. So we, we went through a financial hardship where uh, we had food, but we didn't always have the food that they may have wanted. So he, in middle school, he would get in trouble so that he can go get like a, a lunch suspension. So they would send him to a room where he got cheese sandwiches that he thought were free because they could, they had to feed him. So he would get cheese sandwiches and he was, and, and, and one day I was like, why, why do you keep getting suspended or getting um, put in lunch detention? Because I get free cheese sandwiches. Now he loved cheese, but I didn't always have cheese in the house. So right. that's his way. Well, why do you keep doing backflips in the hallway? Because people give me dollars and I'm always able to go get chocolate chip cookies. Oh, at the time, it didn't always, it didn't connect that the boy was, right. home. he wanted what he wanted to eat. This is how he was getting what he felt he needed. Oh, now, yeah. And, 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 and young men go through those different things. They don't have the shoes that they feel they need to have. So they may steal them to, to be like their friend or the coats or maybe they're getting bullied and they're trying to deal with the bullying on their own. And, and it's all kind of things you never know. What a man. I remember when I was younger, I went through that where you know, I always had a guy that would pull a knife on me like a couple times a week, but I had to catch the bus home. So I had to deal with this guy. And sooner or later, I did. I was in the seventh grade. But the point is, every no, my mother didn't know what I was going through. None of my siblings knew. But I every day went to school knowing after basketball practice, I had to go on the bus line and deal with this guy with this knife. Right. And so the point is, I had to stand up and deal with it, right? I dealt with it through my friends and my environment, and we went one-on-one, -on -one and that was it. But you, as my mother didn't know, or anybody didn't know, but I still had that anger building up in me that could have lashed out at any moment. And a lot of young men go through a very similar thing. Yeah, and, you know, again, as a mother, we, we all the time think we're in tune with what is going on with our sons. But um, I learned quickly um, that I wasn't as in tune as I thought I was. And I was, I was a pretty in tune mother, but oh, yeah. he, you know, it, it took, so this, this son, I, he graduated, he graduated from middle school. He graduated from high school, but you know what? He never got to walk across the stage. He never got to walk across the stage because those schools, he lost those privileges. Um, wow. when he got to high school, when he got to high school, he made a decision and I thought it was a pretty noble one. He made a decision, mom, I don't wanna go to the high school that I've always been going to because I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble. 
I'm like, okay. So we, he went through this ROTC program and through a school choice program where he was able to go to another school and then he was in the ROTC, but he started having conflicts there. He started having conflicts there. Now here, I was completely um, thrown aback. Um, mm. He, he, they were accusing him of things and I was defending him. Like, that's not, no, that's not my son. Um, I think you are now, you know, kind of targeting him because it was a predominantly Caucasian school. So this is how I'm feeling. Um, one incident, uh, it was around 2000, uh, I want to say around, I don't know, I guess when Trump was running for president. And uh, he said to his classmates, he said, uh, tr if tr Trump winning is like, if Trump, uh, he said something to, it was like an analogy, like if Trump wins, that's like me going out and shooting a cop. Hmm. So the teacher considered it a threat, felt like she was threatened, don't know why, called the school resource officer, they, they charged him with terroristic threats. And here I am in court fighting. Well, before court, I go to the principal, I go to the school resource officer and I said, he made an analogy. He was talking to his peers. His comment was not directed at the teacher. Um, this is how he feels his life will be if this, if, he, if this man becomes president, that's he feels like he's be, is as if he just killed himself or as if he's being killed. You want to make it a terroristic threat and now you want to put this on him. And we tried to fight it. At that time, I didn't have the financial resources to obtain a lawyer. We ended up having to pay fees. And then from there on, it was something, it was always something different. Um, and it, was, it seemed like it was hard for him to learn. And it was hard for me to figure out how to help him. Yes. Um, I didn't know if I was being too much of a safety net or not enough of a safety net. Yeah. I would often hear my sons because they watch their friends, parents go to bat for them, no matter yes. what their kid, what their sons did. And I was not, I just happened to not be that parent. If you were wrong, we were dealing with your wrongness. I, I didn't, I, I fought for them, but if they were wrong, I dealt with the fact that they were wrong. I wasn't making them right in a wrong situation where right. they see their friends' parents make their friends right in a wrong situation. So they, from that, they felt like, you don't always have my back, mom. You don't always have my back. And I'm like, I do. But to me, having your back isn't supporting your wrong. It isn't right. vocalizing it, I just could, I couldn't do, and I don't do that to this day. Right. So right. the younger son, he, you know, he didn't always feel like um, I had his back. Now that put me as a mother in a challenging position because you never want your son to feel like you aren't there to help and to support them. The conflict was, I also didn't want them to think that they could just go do whatever they want and think that I'm just going to, to uh, you know, uphold that. So with this, this my, with, with my younger son, um, 
he continued to find himself getting caught up in various infractions. So then he started selling uh, candy at school. Now they told him he couldn't do that. They had a candy store, but he wanted to, the candy store wasn't benefiting him. He wanted something that was going to benefit him. So the principal said, went to him and said, hey, I, I'm glad you're not selling nothing else, but you can't sell candy here. So he, you know, he said, he said, all right, well, I'll stop selling candy and gave the principal candy for free and uh, started writing papers for people and charging mm. them to the grade they got. <laughs> not supposed to do that either. So you know, I'm like, okay, I see you are a business person. I tried to take those things that most people would try, like the school, I would say, try to make it a negative thing sometimes. And I tried to redirect his energy to something else you know okay you like to write let's write write it in a different let's write for something else it doesn't always have to be for money or let's find something that you can do outside of school to help you earn money so those were that was another little thing that he went through in school and then one day i get a call from the school and they say uh you know we have to send christian out for a drug test I'm like, a he doesn't do drugs. I think I would know that as a mother, right? Don't, don't we think we, we think we would know that. I know his friends, I don't know them to do drugs. So he was at the bus stop, you know, smoking up, smoking on some marijuana. He felt like the kids at the bus stop should have minded their business. I'm like, um, that's not, you weren't even supposed to be doing that. Right. Well, they should have been minding their business. I'm like, Christian, that don't even make sense that you that even came out your mouth. This is what I'm thinking. Like that, that what you mean? You're infringing on their fresh air. You're standing next to people and you want them to just disregard something that you're doing illegally. Because they can also be guilty by association. Just standing next to you could almost make them guilty. So they're protecting themselves. So here's the iron irony. He admitted to it. They sent him out for the drug test and the drug test came back negative. Mm. Now, one of the things I used to teach my sons about being honest, and that's what he was doing. He was being honest, but what he saw was honesty didn't serve him. That's what he saw because they still gave him the maximum suspension. He lost all privileges. He couldn't graduate. Well, he couldn't walk in graduation. He couldn't go to prom. He couldn't go to his senior trip. I fought for that. I'm like, you want people to be honest and tell the truth. I get, yes, you have, he admitted to it, but if he never admitted to it, you did the drug test, it came back negative. You'd have never, you'd have been none the wiser. But I taught him to be honest. And in his honesty, you still went through the test, which was fine. It came back negative and you can't find. These are what we, this is the things we go through as mothers. He's, but he, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't lighten up on the, on the um, sentence against him. It wouldn't lighten up. So that was again in high school. He returns back to school. Now he's, you know, so he can't partake in any of his senior uh, privileges. Um, now he, he has a, a girlfriend who has a cousin and the, the cousin's parent 
mother, whomever likes Christian, thinks he's a great kid, you know, wants him to be, wants a Christian to be a role model and an example for her son who was a delinquent. But I didn't know this boy. So they go to a party. Christian's still in high school, mind you. They go to a party. Uh, the party gets broken up by the police. Christian is driving. Um, they, he, Christian agrees to take some young ladies home. They were Caucasian. When he finds out where they live, he was like, I can't take you there. It's too far. It was by the shore. So he proceeds to take them back to the party area from where they came. He has this boy who he's supposed to be a role model for in the car with him. And this boy pulls out a fake gun, threatens the girls, makes them get out the car. There's two other black boys in the back seat, mind you. So it's two black boys in the front, two black boys in the back, two white girls in the back. They get out the car. The boy steals the girl's cell phone. Um, they, uh, but the girls are fighting to try to get back into the car to get their cell phone. So the, the gun obviously wasn't a threat because I don't know about you, but if somebody pull out a gun and I don't know the difference between a real and a fake gun. You can have my cell phone, I'll get another one. You know, but not these girls. They were fighting to get their guns, their cell phones, excuse me. Now, anyway, I get this on my door. Now, Christian, um, is now no longer in the house because he had got in an altercation with Corey's father, the, the man that I'm with now. And so he left the house. But I get that knock on the door and they ask, they say, hey, we're looking for Christian. Um, and I'm like, he's not here. Well, he's been involved in an incident and um, I, uh, I, we need to find him. So I drive them two o'clock in the morning, two or three o'clock in the morning, I drive him to to them the officers to where I believe he is and there he he was and it was him and two other boys and the officers go in there and they're real aggressive and they're trying to get get the boys to speak Christian has this stitches is for snitches mentality mind you I didn't raise him that way but he has this stitches is for snitches that, that's part of it though you know that right Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so now again, as a mother, what do you want to do? You number one, we didn't, we just watched Trayvon Martin. We just watched all these young or older black men just get their lives taken. So I hear I have these two police officers aggressive and I stepped, I said, listen, if you want these black boys to communicate with you. You cannot talk to them with aggression. I'm not leaving. I'm going to sit here, but you're going to talk to them like young, like human beings. If you want them to have a conversation. I said, I sit with my son. This is what I'm saying to the office. I sit with my son. We sat and we discussed the incident with Trayvon Martin. We discussed the incident with a couple of these other men. So you think that there, there's a level of fear that you are putting on them that's going to make them respond a certain way or not respond. So they toned down their conversation and then, you know, they got whatever information they got and they left. A few weeks later, I get a call that Christian has been detained. And I, so they had came to the school, arrested him, 
and took him to a jail, but they wouldn't tell me where because he was 18 by this time. So now, I don't know if you have experienced that, but to get that call, so get the call that he's been detained. So I, I happened to call a friend of mine who's a state trooper and he, and he found out some information. He calls me back. He says, to, um, Christian has been arrested for armed robbery. He is uh, on, he has a bail of $100,000 and he's in the Atlantic County Jail. Um, I don't know if you ever felt physically like your heart has, I don't know, I, I can't even begin. I've never had a heart attack, don't anticipate having one. Um, but- Ms. Lee. Huh? I went through that same thing. Yeah, really? I talked yesterday where I was raising my nephew. And uh, let me turn my camera on. And long short, you know, I had gotten him hooked up, had him living with me since the fourth grade. So we're in high school now in a smaller town. I was born and raised in Chicago, but this town was only like 100,000 people. Long short, got that call, right? He had a job and credit card, his own car. Got the call. He's arrested. For armed robbery, the exact same thing. He allowed a young man to talk him into pulling a robbery, and basically it was one of those things where, oh, you're from Chicago, and, and we were two hours south, right, in a small town. Oh, you're from Chicago, you can just come with me. And he was actually the lookout. He didn't have a weapon on him, but they took the money and went through a back alley, four houses down where his friend stayed, and the police just followed the change from the store right to the house and busted him. And it was very embarrassing because the next morning I go to work, I had him hooked up at a job at my company. It was a, a Fortune 500 company. They said, hey, I'm in leadership and everything. Isn't that your nephew right here? Did you have working here? And it was very embarrassing. Had to get him lowered up. But we got through it. But I, I've been there and I know exactly what you went through. Yeah, that that as a mother, you we all know that is not something that you want to see your son's go through, experience. You try to prevent them from it. You think you're doing the best, but sometimes um, our best isn't our best, unfortunately. Sometimes our best is not good enough. Sometimes we have to realize that we are not the only influence in our son's lives. They are influenced by so many other things and people. Um, but and sometimes your best is your best, that just yes. happens to be the chrysalis that he has to go through. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's okay. That, that's quite all right. Everybody's got their own path. Right. Um, and so I didn't have the resources for him to have a lawyer that he needed. The, the, the ironic thing is he told me later, the officer said to him, I'm going to do whatever I can to ruin your life. The, the, a white officer said that to my black son. Things that we already think that they think, he spoke it out of his mouth into my son's ears. I don't know what that has done to him. You know, that's a conversation I probably have to have, but he did share that he, he, um, he that the officer said that. Um, and, and I did say when he later told me like that, you know, that's not the truth. Your life is not ruined. Your life is not ruined. 
you have been given a, a, another opportunity. But the, here's the thing um, that we just can't protect against. We can't protect against it because you know what? In the statement, the girl said the driver, which was Christian, didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't have the weapon. He didn't arrest, he tried to, they said this, but the, 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 whoever, were, they were out to get all, any of them. Now the other two boys in the back, whatever they said, they, they were able to get off. They said what they had to say, let's just say that. Christian, Christian, and this is, um, this was, this is just a really hard lesson. Christian thought that the boy would uh, fess up. I'm like, Anybody that robs and steals, they're not confessing. Why would they rob or steal? Like, they're going to now be honest about the crookedness that they do? That doesn't even make sense. And why would you sacrifice your life for somebody that was willing to, he's, he, was, he, was willing to, he wasn't willing to, he's not willing to sacrifice his life for you. He took a risk with his own life and your life. You know, and that was so hard. That was, even in that experience, that was so hard for him to get through. To, it was hard for me to get that through to him. I don't know how, if he's learned it fully, but this, he was in high school, you know, and they took him out of high school in handcuffs in front of his peers. Now he's sitting in a jail with adult men because he's 18 and legally an adult without a lawyer, with a, uh, a, uh, 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 um, my mind is going blank. Public defender, a public defender. And we went months. So he was only in there for three days. You know, uh, I got up a little bit of money. My mom, God bless her, is the one that really helped to get him out. And we knew that he had to get out before five days because in five days you go into general population. And he told me even in the three days, like I had paid money for him. I couldn't, I couldn't get to him, um, but I had I had found out, okay, well, you can get phone calls. So I paid money for him to be able to make phone calls, but that never happened. Um, and there's now a class action lawsuit against that company that took the money that I gave for him to uh, make these phone calls. And then he, he told me when he finally was able to call me, mom, I need you to get me out of here. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm trying, you know, I've been trying to get to you. I've been trying to call you. And he's like, I had to give up. He had to give up his meals for a phone call, you know. But do you know, one, I, when he when they released, he, the bail was posted. It wasn't money that we got back. We couldn't get that money back. Um, went to pick him up. And it was something about that boy's attitude that didn't seem like he learned a lesson. Almost made me mad that I went and picked him up. Almost made me like I, as if I wanted to turn around, and say, "Give me the money back, keep him a couple more days." It was some about that attitude. Be prepared for that. Each one of the greatest things I learned, and is each one of my sons are very different, and what they need from me as a mother was very different. Christian needed more discipline. And he says that to this day. I wish you would have disciplined me more. So what was what was the role of the father and stepfather during that process? Um, stepfather, he was just there with me, trying to be supportive of me and of him, you know. Uh, his father, 
No, he didn't do anything that helped. No financial support, no verbal, no support that I, I, I if Christian talked to him, which I don't believe he did. Uh, and during that time, um, there wasn't, wasn't a lot. There was a lot of fussing from my mom, from me, from his aunt, you know, he got, he got a lot of tongue lashing, you know, um, he was, there was a lot of, there was stricter boundaries placed on him while he was out. You know, I didn't need him getting into any more infractions. And so that was a constant reminder. So he didn't go many places uh, during this time uh, while he was waiting, um, waiting for, you know, his uh, hearings and things. And he had, um, he had a public defender and it just the, the public defender just had it, the caseload was too great. He would show up at court and then make some final, just look at the, the, his case and then decide that, you know, right. Instead of filing things formally, he write it on a piece of paper and then the judges, you know, so eventually my mom was able to get him an attorney and all of the charges were dropped except for, um, uh, like hindering an invest an investigation, hindering the investigation that he had that charge and he had to go on probation for a year and then he was done. But I think that Christian still operates somehow with the mentality that he's a felon. Like it was a felony charge, but I keep telling him, you, I don't care what the charge was. You're not a felon because you're God's son. You're not a felon. You go out here and get a job. You go out here and do the things that you need to do to, to live and to sustain yourself and to prepare for your future. You are not, you're not going to walk around operating like a felon, you know. Um, and I think for a long time, he, I think he's coming up out of it, but I think for a good while, he, um, he operated uh, in that mentality. So. Hey, Talise. Yes. I hate to uh, interrupt, but this no, hour no. goes so fast. Yes, I, I wanted to open it up for questions in case anyone had any questions or comments sure. for, uh, specifically for you. Yeah. So, um, yes. Just let me know and I can unmute you. Yep. I'm open for questions. Oh, go ahead. Was someone else going to ask or can I ask one? Uh, go ahead. I was trying to unmute uh, Delrose. Oh, you can go ahead and give her an opportunity. I've been asking for a while. Okay. Uh <laughs> But it's not unmuting. I just oh, did there it. There you go. There you go. I don't have a question. I, I just had a um maybe just an observation that um I've I've never had any situation with the law with, with, with my son. Uh, so I don't know what I can only imagine that. That has got to be a very almost helpless feeling. Absolutely. Especially um, listening to you and you've done so much. You, you, you seem to take the time to explain so many things to him. And um, for these things to happen, um, do you believe that 
he was looking for a, a particular attention, why he, he, he just allowed these things to happen to him? Um, I, I thank you for that question. Um, he, uh, so I, he's 23. So he had told me that he had a conversation with his father and that's the, that's the crux of it with him. He feels like as a, as a result of his father not being actively present in his life, um, he didn't get to think the things he needed to know and learn as a young man. And he confronted his father with that. And he asked him, you know, why weren't you around when I was growing up? And his father would give excuses like, well, I didn't have money to be able to take you to McDonald's or catch the train. He said, so you couldn't ask for $12 to come see us over the bridge, you know, um, he, and in his, at the conclusion of his conversation, he said to his father, all you've done is make excuses about why you haven't, why you weren't active in my life. And there's things that I need to know and I needed to know growing up to become a better man. And because you weren't there and this question I had, I had to learn a lot of stuff on my own and from people in the street. So I do think that 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 was a part of it. And again, he is the one that said, hey, I needed more discipline. I need to be harder on me mom I thought I was yeah. but it's hard trying to balance nurture and um discipline yeah I just have one other question at any time did you introduce counseling with your son and his dad um no I I, I did not and not with him I presented it as a possible option for the oldest son, not with the younger ones. Yeah, I, I'd like to think it's still not too late. It's, it's never too late. If I, his dad is still around, you know, just to, it could make a difference in him um, as uh, he progresses in life. But he's going to be a dad one day and a right. husband. Yeah. Right. So uh, if you could still find a way to, get both of them together in a counseling session, it would probably make a difference uh, going forward. I will definitely explore that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Del Rose. Yes. Mr. Wayne, you wanna say something? I was, I was leaning more towards, uh, I wanted to make sure at least that you did not, you know, beat yourself up too much because I, I heard a couple of times where you felt you didn't say the word failure, but maybe you felt like you had, did not do right or you missed something. And I would offer that you did a very good job. And uh, and yeah, absolutely. And so I would also ask that I was going to ask about your son, even though he had that conversation with his father. Did you ever see where he has gone to, to take the next step to forgive his father so that he himself can be healed? Um. I, I think he tries, but I'm not quite sure. I would have to, I'll have to ask him, you know, where he's at. Um, it's funny because him and his, uh, his um, brother have, they have the same father and they have very, they both understand that he's not there like he should have been, but they have very different approaches towards him. And to the other statement that you made, there, uh, there was times where I would say to the boys, like, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? You know, I, I raised you in church. I tried to let you be your own individual. I tried, you know, where did I go wrong? And they would all say, mom, you didn't go wrong. 
you that that we have other people that influence us. And that's exactly. what my sons told me that. Exactly. Only influence. And so, you know, I had to say, okay, you know. Yeah, like I talked about this yesterday. Once they get past that certain stage gate in their uh, adult, young adult life, they're looking for a man to emulate. That's got right. nothing to do with you, mama. You did a good job. I, I would say um, to watch out for both of the brothers because I knew a set of brothers once. They both had the same father. Long story short, one forgave his father earlier in life for the shortcomings of his father, while the other brother blamed his father continuously for years, well into his, his midlife. And you can definitely see the difference in, in those two brothers. So, and it's all a matter of forgiveness. And the moral of that story is it just, it's gonna hurt them himself if he doesn't right. do that. The faster he do that, does that, the better off he'll be. Right, right, I agree. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Wayne. Hey, Vicki. Yes. Hey, how are you? Fine. Do you have any questions for Talise? Or did any of this resonate? Any comments, concerns? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, she did the right thing when she said when he got out, she was about to turn around and take him back. <laughs> I'm telling you. With that attitude. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, I think, another challenging thing for us mothers is when you know that you've given your all, you've been that safety net or you've been that support, and then you don't see the gratitude. It seems like they're still taking the grace that you've given for granted. Yes. That 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 is something that we should use to guide us. That is something that we should use to be a guide for us in how we then make our next move or how we then interact with them in terms of being the safety net. Because again, the, too much of a safety net is uh, can be as detrimental as not having one at all. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 that, that moment when he had that attitude, that really helped to kind of, um, redirect some of my uh the, the redirect the way that I dealt with him and them you know as they continue to mature into young men we have a good relationship now not in the same household boy yeah that I. definitely that definitely you know what and they uh, before of naturally I want them to leave but I didn't know when that was going to happen so I left oh. <laughs> and then they, that's working. they had to pay the bills so don't wait mm -hmm. to leave right. I'm with them. <laughs> okay Teresa where are you Teresa right here oh there you go <laughs> um <laughs> First of all, I want to tell you thank you for sharing. Um, you are an amazing woman, amazing mother. Just hearing your story just really touched my heart. Um, a lot of things you said, um, you know, if we can be the best mother that we can be from what we were taught. And you just sound like you did the best you could, you know, and you did an amazing job, but we 
tend to forget they have their own personalities. Yeah. They have their own will. And you can instill in them the best thing. You can give them that foundation. It's up to them to use it. And it sounds like you did that. Um, what I love the fact when you were said, you either, they're either going to go one way or the other. You said you had like emotional things going on and you weren't able to give them the proper. So sometimes we do that. For me, I did the, I was one of the mothers who did the opposite. You know, I was overprotective of my son. I have, I have sons, two sons, and I was the overprotective mother. I wanted to make sure they got this extra love and this extra attention because I didn't get those things. So I wanted to let my sons know they can always count on me. I was going to always be there. I actually made a vow. And we got to be careful of the vows that we make too. I made a vow that, you know, my sons would never have to, you know, uh, question, do I love them? You know, and I made it a point to tell them I love them on a regular basis. You know, because I, I um, and the power of our words, our words are very powerful. But I also know people can say words out their mouth and not even mean nothing they say by their actions. So I made it a point if I told my sons one thing, they actually saw my actions. And I love what Mr. Wayne was saying yesterday when he was, you know, saying, um, our no has to be no, and they have to go through that pain. As mothers, we don't want them to go through that pain because we know what we went through. But we have to sometimes take our hands off of them. And even if we have to cry and get on our knees and just ask the Lord to just watch them, that's what we have to do. I went through the jail stuff with my, um, I had an experience and I get a little emotional. My sons were, um, they were 11 and 17 and I got a call. I was at work. I'm a therapist. So you can imagine what I see and deal with on a regular basis. I got a call that my sons were sitting in jail. My baby was 11 and my son was 17. First of all, he wasn't supposed to be there without an adult. And I found out that um, they walked out of a video store and had nine sawed off shotguns pointing at their heads because they looked like two black African-American males. Now, these males were 21 and 24 years old and still over, stood over six feet tall. My sons barely stood over five two. My oldest one might have been maybe five to seven or five eight at the most, but because the girl in the store had a problem with my oldest son, ignoring her, she called the police on them. And they didn't even question them. They, they walked out the store and they just pulled the gun on them. And make a long story short, I'm gonna tell you, I know how God is an amazing God. Because God stood up for my sons. God brought lawyers and a whole church to behind my children. But it was the most serious thing because I could have lost my kids that day. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't imagine what you went through. And it's just the way everything you said yesterday, I thank you um, for your heart, for the things that you, you say. Um, I just, it's just amazing. So thank you. Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Amen. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I know everyone else here does too. And, 
you know, what you said just resonated with me because growing up in Chicago, I experienced that. I was coming out of my basement, my best friend and I, we were heading down to his house. It was just three houses down. So it's literally hop, skip and a jump. And as soon as I came out of my house and hung a left on the sidewalk, two patrol cars pulled, I'm sorry, one patrol car, two patrol men jumped out, rushed us, slammed us on the ground, faced all bruised up, guns drawn. One had a gun draw, one slammed us down. Make a long story short, some cop had gotten shot or something like that. The description of the man had nothing to do with us. We were like 16 years old, right? But having to go through that right in front of your own home. Yes. And feeling so helpless. And having a gun pointed at you and your face is on the cement, scarred up, bleeding, right? I mean, that's just very humbling. And I just remember having to get up, brush myself off, and my best friend, and we had to go on with our lives. And these and these officers had no, you know, remorse at all on what they did, other than stay out of trouble. And I remember also we would talk. My friends and I would talk a lot about one of the biggest challenges and, and concerns we had was could we get through high school without getting a felony? Not because we were bad kids. Yeah. But the odds are just stacked against you, you know. Um, so I, I can definitely relate to 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 what you're saying. And uh, it, it's tough for these kids when they try to identify with themselves because you want to be tough and you want to you want you're going to be tough. You're going to look out for your boys. But at the same time, you can get a felony at the drop of a hat. And now they'll just kill you. I think for me, what was so scary is the fact that I was this overprotective mother, and then when I take my hands off, this happened. So it 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 sent me into a guilt for a little while because I was like, had I not let them go to this video store, which was only a block from my house, it would have never happened. But then I said, you know what? Yes, it would have. It wouldn't have mattered. Exactly. So I, had to, I had to stop blaming myself for that. I said, you know what? Exactly. It wouldn't matter whether I was there with them or not. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. And my oldest son is the one that said, Mama, he said, you've taught us. You've given us. He's 12. He was 12 and told me a long time. He said, Mama, you've given us the foundation. Let us use it. And I never he told me that. He said, Mama, can you just kind of step back a little bit and just give us some room? And it took him to tell me that for me to realize I was smothering him. So I stepped back. and And I was like, so you know what? So if you give them the right foundation, they'll come back to it sooner or later. I don't know when, but they'll come back to it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you all for the feedback. Talise, thank you so much for sharing your testimony, sharing your story. Thank you all for participating. Remember, you can go back into the portal and watch the videos again. I would appreciate it if you go inside the Facebook group and just write some comments or share uh, a takeaway that you uh, took away on today, but just to kind of make some kind of comment, that would be great. And then Mr. Wayne, actually, if you don't mind, um, let's get Miss Teresa, if you can close us out in prayer. Everybody just bow their heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for such an awesome, awesome word. 
And you, Father, there's nothing you cannot do through us if we just trust you, Henny Father. If we just be obedient to your word, Henny Father. I thank you, Henny Father, for this awesome woman, Henny Father, that gave a powerful word, Henny Father, through her testimony, Henny Father. You said, Henny Father, if we allow ourselves to share our testimony, we can heal so many others, Henny Father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus for this amazing testimony through this amazing woman. Thank you, Henny Father, for Dr. Leslie. Thank you, Henny Father, for, <clears throat> for Mr. Wayne. Thank you, Henny Father, for all the women here, Henny Father, that was able to be here on this conference. And for those that were not able to be here, Henny Father, that they will be able to come the next time, Henny Father. Because Henny Father, when our soul, Henny Father, is fed, Henny Father, with your amazing grace, Henny Father. We're able to walk through this, Henny Father, with our sons, with our children, with ourselves, Henny Father. <clears throat> Just the power of love, Henny Father. And I thank you, Henny Father. You continue, Henny Father, to show us favor, to show us grace, and to show us mercy each and every day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 All thank right, you. thank you. We'll see you all back yeah. here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Actually, have a young man speaking tomorrow about his journey uh, in jail uh, and how his mother struggled uh, with that. I think he's 29 years old. So that's on tomorrow. So if you can join us tomorrow, that will be great. Have a good evening. Thank good you. night, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.